2: Abner Mares is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, a dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mares, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is one of the things that he's going to discuss on the pod that I'm very interested to hear his thoughts on is the state of boxing. Boxing's a sport I've always really tried to get into, but I haven't been able to. And my friends who are boxing fans tell me all about how boxing used to be. I'm interested to see, uh, or hear rather, Abner's thoughts on that and then he'll also talk about if you're not into boxing but you still want to hear what abner's all about he's talking about sports music pop culture and then of course his family life because that's the most important thing so listen to on the hook with abner Madris wherever you get your podcast episodes in english those will be out on tuesdays episodes in spanish those will be out on wednesdays on blue wire
3: blue wire
0: Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown,
2: 49ers. Kittle is going to go.
3: Touchdown.
2: Yeah, you heard it there. It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire podcast network. That guy sitting right over there, that's Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today sports media group. And it started to get hot again, Chris, just like you said it would. I still don't have an air conditioner. So, Welcome to my life. Yeah, dude. So I have a new strategy for heat beating. Okay. And it's opening the windows at night. And then just closing them right before I leave for work around six a.m.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good idea. Because then um, I try
2: and lock in that cool night air. Yeah, been, I've switched up. Okay. Uh,
1: I've switched up my shower routine, and I'm starting to shower before bed. So I'll take a cold shower. Um, oh, that's a great move. before bed rather than the morning. And it's a little weird because like throughout the day you feel weird because you haven't had that shower. That sort of like.
2: That let's you your body
1: tomorrow. know it's a new day. Yeah. So I'm still get my body's still getting used to having that feeling like at night before bed. Um but you know, we're doing what we can. It's hopefully it's not gonna be it's not gonna be warm like this for too much longer because us people without air conditioning, I mean it's it's not fun when it's ninety degrees outside. It's a tough and scene. And and your office slash bedroom window faces west and uh and gets a whole lot of sun throughout the day.
2: Well, the good news for you, speaking of the sun, is on Sunday, you'll get to spend the warmer part of the afternoon at Levi Stadium getting ready for Sunday night football between the 49ers and Rams. And that is what we're going to talk about today. Did that transition work? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, so we're going to go yeah, ahead. It worked.
1: No, it worked. Okay, I think. Cool. I was thinking I think about it. it. Yeah,
2: I think it worked. I think it did, too. So the 49ers, they swept the Rams in the season series last year, but the teams are going opposite directions this season. The Niners they come in at two and three. The Rams have been very good. They're four and one, and I don't think it's it's a stretch to say that the 49ers need this one. This is uh, <laughs> you, you fall to two and four and zero oh and two in the division, and it becomes a very very deep hole to to climb out of. No matter who's com- no matter who's coming back and who's getting healthy. And so I think this is uh, an extremely important game for for San Francisco, and really, if they lose it, it's like their their playoff hopes are on real life support.
1: If the Niners lose this game, their next six games will be against opponents that are twenty five and seven combined. So, yeah. if they lose well, is, this game, it's going to be very it's
2: only twenty nine and eight. So,
1: yeah, it's <laughs> it's going to be very hard to. I didn't hear what you just said, but. Um,
2: it was hilarious. <laughs>
1: okay, um, but if they lose and have to go to New England next week and then play the Seahawks and the Packers and the Saints and the Buffalo Bills, like it's it's going to be tough. Um, I do think they're they're due to play a whole lot better here coming up, and we'll talk about the reasons why. But it is as much of a must win game as. A game in mid-October can be I think that's the best way to, to look at this game it's not a must win because it's still early October but being three and three is a whole lot better than being two and four
2: yeah that's right and, and two and four <laughs> two and four with two losses in the division right while uh, one of your division rivals moves to five and one the Seahawks will probably move to six and zero. Oh. like at some point it's it's not early in the season anymore. And at some point you start running out of games to, to start catching up.
1: Right. Exactly. Particularly with your trip to play the new England Patriots next week.
2: And then a trip to Seattle. Like they, they yeah. need to start racking up wins. <laughs> That's They if, need if, something if to any start. Good
1: they need something that makes everybody on that team. And in the locker room, remember like, yeah, we're, we're the NFC champs. Like we're actually, right. you know, we, we are a team that accomplished a lot last year. And they haven't looked anything like that and there are a lot of reasons that involved of course but they need they need this win just for morale purposes otherwise it's going to be really hard to have any sort of optimism given that given what's what's coming up for them
2: yeah and I think there's a level of desperation for the 49ers but I also think the Rams are going in knowing hey we can bury San Francisco with a win here like there's yeah. a there's a level of it's obviously different but I think there's a level of desperation for the Rams as well but For the 49ers, we've talked about this before. We're going to talk about it now, and we will probably talk about it again in the future. It's going to come down a lot to the play of Jimmy Garoppolo because the defensive side, we know how banged up they are. We know they're probably going to give up some points. Can the 49ers keep up? They couldn't do it against Miami. Garoppolo got benched at the end of the first half. Kyle Shanahan said on Monday that he didn't hurt his ankle worse and said that Uh, He will either be the same or better. And then on Wednesday said that the plan for Garoppolo is the same as it was against the Dolphins. And if he struggles, they'll sit him at halftime. Do you think that that is a
1: good idea? So I was at practice today. I've been at practice the last two days, and I've watched Garoppolo very closely and um, he doesn't he's doing everything that he would do if he were a hundred percent healthy. Like in the in the portion of practice that we get to watch, which is usually just about the first 20 minutes or half an hour when it's individual drills, Garoppolo against air is rolling out and um, running play action passes and throwing on the run. Um, and doing a lot of those things that uh, obviously he's going to have to do on Sunday if if he's going to run the offense like we're we're used to watching this offense run. So it he looks fine. Like it, it, it you I would have to have prior knowledge that he's dealing with an ankle injury to look at Garoppolo based on these warmups, which clearly aren't football, um, aren't actual football like in a game situation. Um, I would have to have prior knowledge to know that something was wrong, right? So, like, he looks fine. So, I understand why Kyle Shanahan would look at that and then say, yeah, I mean, he looks good in practice. He's doing everything we need him to do. And then Garoppolo would actually get hit in a game, and it only takes one time for his ankle to, to start bothering him again. And then you're looking at a scenario where he can't push off his right foot like he could in in that uh, in the second quarter of that Dolphins game last week. So, To me, like, in order for Garoppolo to play well, you need the offensive line to play well, and you need to run the ball effectively. Right. I think because we've seen the 49ers play that brand before, and I think that's kind of their identity, even though they don't have the same horses on defense right now. They need to take the ball out of Garoppolo's hands, let him get healthy, run the ball, and win games like they were early last season when we were all wondering if Garoppolo was even capable of winning games with his arm on his own. Right. And we learn that later. But I think that's the brand the 49ers need to get to right now, which, you know, might not do Garoppolo any favors necessarily because people will only stop questioning him, I think, if, if he puts up big numbers. Um, sure. But I, I just think looking at the state of the roster and how the 49ers are constructed and how they play, I think the answer for them is to win... The line of scrimmage, win on the ground, um, try to win time of possession, um, and keep the ball, keep keep Garoppolo out of a drop back situation where you, he has to throw 30 or 40 times. That's their formula right now. And we'll yeah. have to see if they can hit it because the offensive line has really been struggling these last couple of weeks.
2: And one of the things that's interesting is the offensive line has struggled pass blocking for sure. But when you look at that, it's really hard to quantify blocking. But when you look at their run blocking grades on pro football focus, it hasn't been as maybe bad as we think. And Raheem Mostert looked really good last week running the football. The Niners just got in a spot where they couldn't run the football. And then Trent Williams on that fourth and one play uh, to Jarek McKinnon got beat pretty bad and the play didn't work. But that was one snap. It was an important snap, but that was one snap. If they're going to run block well, I think it makes pass blocking easier for them because it makes the Niners entire offense more effective. And so that's where I think it really starts is keeping the game script where they can continue running it. They don't need to necessarily be ahead. They just can't fall behind 14 nothing. Right. You know they need to, if it, even if it's ten nothing, like they need to, they need to keep the game in a spot where handing it to Raheem Mostert four or five plays in a row if he's chewing up five six yards of carry, they need to just do that because that's like you just laid out, that's their offensive identity. We wanted to maybe see a little bit of a step forward from Garoppolo, but we're certainly not going to see it when he's dealing with a high ankle sprain. So they need to get back to 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 what works I I couldn't agree more with that
1: yeah and and the other part of it too is that you know I think we we did talk about it before this pod, and and I think last uh on the last episode but that you know the Niners haven't had their starting quarterback and receivers and tight end and running back all practicing together at all this season in full until this week um so there's still that aspect of it they're not They don't have the timing and the chemistry and and the reps, frankly, um, to be in a good spot. And they're not helped out at all by the fact or by by the way the offensive line is playing, I should say. Um, And I wrote about that for the Sacramento Bee this week. And one thing that was interesting was, um, you know, what what the Dolphins were doing essentially is lining three defensive uh, tackles over the three interior offensive linemen in a bare uh, three-four front. And basically what that does is it clogs the middle so much it prevents the the guards in the center from pulling and getting to the second level right. of the defense, which is such a staple of Kyle Shanahan's running game, right? So if you can gum up the running game that way and then against this 49ers offensive line right now that's struggling to communicate, if you can be really good at disguising who's a pass rusher, um, who's dropping into coverage, who's blitzing, and if you're running a bare – front you can blitz up the middle and have linebackers running free like we saw in the Dolphins game Um, you're gonna give the 49ers offense problems if they're in a position where they have to throw the ball so we talk you know complementary football is obviously a cliche but the thing is like what what happens to the 49ers defense directly impacts how Kyle Shanahan is calling a game on offense um, right. although I would push back on the idea, you know, Shanahan said they got down by 14 points and then they had to throw the ball. It was like, it was still the first half. I like, right. Yeah. I, I didn't think they had to, they had to abandon the running game. Uh, I know they gave up a third touchdown pretty quickly. And then when you're down by three scores, maybe that's a little bit different. Um, but anyway, the point on complimentary football is that if your defense isn't stopping a nosebleed. Um, then it's it's going to change what you're trying to do offensively. And right. and I think what Kyle Shanahan is trying to do is set everything up with the running game like the 49ers were able to do in the first half of last year. And then ultimately, as the season went on, I think it loosened defenses up um, and then allowed Garoppolo to, to be better with his arm because defenses had to account for everything the 49ers were doing in the running game. And that just hasn't happened yet because um, the offensive line play has been a little bit shoddy, and Raheem Mostert's been out of the lineup. They've had to rely a lot on Jarek McKinnon as their number one back after he didn't play for two years. Um, so, yeah, it's just when when you deal with injuries and have so many different moving parts like the 49ers have right now, it's going to be really hard to win games. Um, yep. And I think during the COVID season in particular, with the offseason and practice time being what it's been, um, it makes it even more difficult for sure. So I I, I want to stick on the offensive line a little bit because you wrote
2: about that over at the Sacramento Bee and SACB.com slash 49ers. You can go find it there. And what did you what did you learn that maybe you, you didn't know or hadn't thought of going in or was it just kind of a matter of what you were what you were observing is just kind of how it is like what what did you what did you glean from from your discussions
1: yeah Kyle Shanahan said um yesterday and I want to find the quote um that playing offensive line is is a lot like playing zone defense in basketball and that it takes a lot of practice to do that and the 49ers just haven't had the same level of practice Mm -hmm. um and you know, like I get it. I think it's difficult to it. You know, it it's probably difficult to navigate through this off season and all of that, and get everybody on the same page when you have two new starters along your offensive line, which is forty percent. Um, you know that can be tough. But the whole thing with Trent Williams was that, you know, he should be integrating. Easily because he's familiar with this offense and the coaching staff because it's the same, a lot of the same people he worked with in Washington, right? And it's the same scheme. Um, It hasn't been super smooth for Trent Williams, as good as he looked in training camp and as good as he looks sometimes in games. And for the most part, he's good. It's just when he makes mistakes, they're glaring and they've been glaring. I think the same is true for Mike McGlinchey. Um, But... They're just not they're just not on the same page. Even Raheem Mostert today was talking about, you know, things that happened in pass protection and he misheard a call he said and then went to block the wrong guy on a play that they allowed a sack. And for whatever reason, and I, I haven't been able to talk to anybody and figure out exactly where the breakdown is, but from the coaches making the call, uh, or, you know, the quarterback deciphering his responsibilities and relaying that to everybody else, there's a there's a um you know something happening somewhere that's not allowing everybody to be on the same page at all times, um, and I think defenses too, when they're hitting Jimmy Garoppolo, know that the that's that's the case with the 49ers offense. And if you hit Garoppolo on his bum ankle, he's probably going to throw some passes that will be interceptable at some point, right? So defenses are pinning their ears back on the 49ers right now in a way that the only way they can stop that is to start controlling the tempo of the game, and the only way they can control the tempo of the game is if their their defense stops somebody. So Emmanuel Mosley's probably going to be back this week. That's a big thing for the secondary, obviously in place of Brian Allen, who was nothing short of a disaster on Sunday. It's not necessarily Allen's fault. He was put in a really tough spot, like we said uh, earlier this week. Um, but that is what it is. So there's a there's a game script that Sunday night's game needs, needs to... Uh, needs to follow for the 49ers to win, given the fragile state of their roster right now. Um, but in terms of the offensive line, I think a lot of their stuff is correctable. I think they have enough talent to play at a much higher level. Um, but, you know, I think that's clearly been an emphasis, and I saw it on pra- at practice today and yesterday. They're working hard on combination blocks, um, which are those blocks that that are so effective on the outside when you have sort of like a moving picket fence on like an outside run and mm-hmm. George Kittle is passing, you know, a defensive end to to a tackle and then moving out and getting to a linebacker or a DB. And then you see those, those running lanes clear down the field, which is a, a reason why Raheem Mostert can break a 60 yard touchdown. Like the 49ers have working a lot on those plays because those haven't um, you know, they, they did happen for Mostert twice early in the season, um, but they haven't been happening since he's been out of the lineup. So they're going to need some of that in their game, and I think once they can prevent defenses from pinning their ears back and blitzing and disguising things and stressing the 49ers' communication, um, then I think the 49ers are going to be in a position they want to be in, which is uh, we can do whatever we want because we know the running game works. If, they, if the running game doesn't work, the 49ers cannot do whatever they want because Jimmy Garoppolo is compromised to the point right now on his ankle that you absolutely do not want him throwing 40 times a game.
2: Right. And that's that's going to be the the biggest key I think on on offense is like it, 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 exactly what I said earlier. Like they it has to look like a 2019 49ers game. Yep. If they if they're going to have any shot at at winning. Let's uh, before before we hit the break, I want to I, I do want to get back to something that you touched on. Emmanuel Mosley coming back is huge. At least it appears he's going to be back and cleared completely. Yeah, I think he will be. He had a full practice on Thursday. He was in a non-contact jersey Wednesday. Shed the non-contact jersey Thursday, which puts him on track to play Sunday. And the Niners are going to have two starting caliber cornerbacks uh, for the first time since week three. And... It's the first time all year they're going to start the same combination of cornerbacks, yeah.
1: right? Yeah, the first time one combination of corners has gotten more than one game. Right. Um, yeah. Verrett- five different Verrett combos and Mosley started week three. Yeah, and that would be presumably. I think it's going to be Verrett, uh, Mosley, and then and then Jamar Taylor in the slot, and then you'll have Akella Witherspoon. Um, healthy backing up uh, the starters this week. He hasn't been on the injury report um, after after what happened last week. I think uh, I think it's wise that Witherspoon is not reporting any sort of hamstring discomfort <laughs> to the to the yeah, training staff yikes. because I don't know that that worked out all that well last week. Um, but yeah, that's uh, the the secondary should be in much better shape if Emmanuel Mosley comes back and is at 100. percent Um, He's a clear and obvious upgrade over over what the 49ers would have had otherwise. And, um, yeah, I I think it's really important because if it, like, I think the structure of the 49ers defense is sound enough to where if they're not, you know, if they don't have a weak link that another team can just pick on over and over again, I think they're solid enough to still be good enough for them to win as long as they play well offensively. Right. right. Like, it's not a defense that's going to dominate a game, but I think at home, um, that a lot of the guys have been in the system long enough to play sound enough to where, you know, the defense could hold the Rams to 20 points, which theoretically could be plenty enough, plenty for, for the 49ers to win that game, um, if they can score. Right. Right. And so I think that's possible. But again, like we say, or, you know, I, I mentioned they, if they don't have anywhere, like in the secondary, you can just pick on. I I think Jamar Taylor might be that guy this week, in the slot, starting in place of Kwan Williams, because Cooper Cup is really really good in the slot, um, and he's, I mean, there. If I were Sean McVay, put it this way, I would center my game plan around Cooper Cup against Jamar Taylor if yep. Emmanuel Mosley's back, covering Robert Woods, and um, you know, with Jason Verret on the other side playing well right now. That's what I would do, and and if I'm the war, if I'm the forty niners, I really have to, really have to be concerned about that this week. I
2: think who who in in twenty seconds, who do you feel more confident in covering Cooper Cup, Jamar Taylor or Fred Warner?
1: <laughs> um, f- Fred Warner, because I know I know Warner will. They're going to least... do
2: those drag routes, and if they're doing that. I think it would be best if Fred Warner is the one chasing Cooper Cup.
1: I think right. Warner will always mentally, like he'll he'll never be in a bad spot because he'll never have a mental breakdown. Right. And he's more athletic than a lot of linebackers. So not that he can run with Cooper Cup, but he can run with Cooper Cup probably better than, than most linebackers would. And just given his intelligence and um, his knowledge of the splits and alignments and the routes that are that he's gonna to have to know coming out of the slot. I trust Warner in that spot with his brain power over Taylor, who might be more athletically equipped, but I don't trust him to cover cup because I think he he's just not as you know, as naturally gifted a football thinker as as Warner is.
2: <laughs> okay, that's fair. Uh I, I do wanna look something up real quick though. Because you just kind of threw out there that 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 Warner probably can't run with Cooper Cup. Uh, Warner four six four in the forty at the combine. Cooper Cup four six two. So. I mean, cups faster. Would you like to re- Would you like to rethink your argument? <laughs> Dude, I, I mean, <laughs> that's I hey.
1: Both of those round down to four six. What were their What were their three cone times?
2: oh that's a great uh six seven five for cup and six nine for warner
1: okay that's that's pretty nice so (laughs) that that's my case the three cone scores
2: (laughs) okay but here's bench reps (laughs) Let's, let's get to a
1: break all right even though sports had a break your business did not you have to keep on moving, and that's what makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your research that much easier like sponsored jobs which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire with 73 percent of online job seekers visiting in indeed each month indeed is going to give you the important hire you need just like they have for over three million businesses right now indeed is offering our listeners a free 75 dollars credit to boost your job post which means more quality candidates will see it fast try indeed out with a free 75 dollars credit at indeed.com slash blue wire this is their best offer available anywhere 75 bucks is pretty tasty so go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire b-l-u-e-w-i-r-e terms and conditions apply offer valid through december 31st
2: the wait is finally over. Football is back. It's been back for five weeks, going on six. And man, I could not be more excited to have the NFL back in my life and college football to an extent. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in the action at Bet Online. That is what I have been doing, and it's been awesome. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. And that is not an exaggeration, folks, from game spreads totals to team players uh, to team player and coaching props to team players also works bet online gives you more football very much of team game bet online <laughs> gives you more options to wager than anywhere else you can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins division and championship futures all day every day and it's not just the season opening bonuses folks there's all sorts of sign up bonuses so head to bet online today and take advantage of all of those great bonuses when you sign up, don't forget to use the promo code BlueWire at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, Blue Wire, all one word. Betonline, your online sportsbook experts. I want to talk real quick about the Kyle Shanahan versus Sean McVeigh rivalry that they have going on. That exists. I think it exists. Uh, they yeah. were both they were both coaches together in Washington they got hired as head coaches the same year their first game was a epic back and forth at Levi Stadium on a Thursday night with Brian Hoyer against Jared Goff Brian Hoyer
1: just chucking it all over the yard
2: just slinging the pill and remember there was the like (laughs) kind of really ticky-tack offensive P.I. on Trent Taylor that stalled out the Niners last drive Really incredible game. Both teams had more than 45 points. I think the Rams on like 48, 46. was that uh, was easily the
1: most enjoyable game of the first half of that season.
2: It wasn't 48, 46. I think it was 41, 39 was the final. Anyways, super fun game. And then the Rams kind of dominated for a while. And then the Niners uh, obviously won their two matchups last year. Including a Week 16 win. That was the game where the Niners, you'll probably remember, converted to 3rd and 16s late. Super fun game. But what's been what's been funny has been watching the Shanahan-McVay public preference teeter-totter. Yeah. Because in 2018, while the 49ers were going 4-12 because Jimmy Garoppolo tore his ACL, the rings were going to the Super Bowl. And Sean McVay was the guy. If you... We're Facebook friends with Sean McVay. You got a call about a head coaching interview in the NFL. Everybody <laughs> wanted a piece of it. But then last season, while the Rams struggled, the Niners were going to the Super Bowl, Kyle Shanahan was the guy. It was Kyle Shanahan is far and away. He's this and that, and he's, he's Kyle Shanahan. He's the best. Today, I produce a radio show in the Bay Area. I have never mentioned that, but I want people to know it. I produce a radio show at 957 the game from ten AM to two PM and today we kind of threw it out there, Shannon McVeigh, and it was like unanimous people saying McVeigh. And that's such a weird it's such a it's such a weird thing for me. And I think it's it says less about McVeigh. Like he's done a he's done a really nice job making these adjustments. They run way more two tight end stuff than they did. Uh, early last year, and especially in 2018, they're on pace to more than double their multiple tight end uh, numbers from last year. They just they they've he's made some adjustments, and now they're kind of rolling again. Whereas Shanahan is under this like microscope in the Bay Area, and it's really weird to me that every time something goes wrong, like, people are still nitpicking decisions from the Super Bowl, and his record gets cited. It's like, well, he's not even a 500 coach and it's, I don't know, man. It's just, it's weird. Like people just ignore that in 2018, Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. And then this year with a two and three start, they lost two of their three or four best players on defense and are now sitting at, with, with William Sherman and Bosa out. That's what three of their five best defensive players. Yeah, on a on a on a team that's kind of built around its defense. I don't know. It's a it's a weird it's a weird back and forth that only really exists when these two teams play. And I wanted to bring it up.
1: Yeah, I, I think. I mean, I I think the elephant in the room is that Sean McVay very much exists because in in large part, not only like Sean McVay is a very good coach, right. but Sean McVay's offensive system is heavily influenced by Kyle Shanahan because that's what it is. It's Kyle Shanahan's system. Right. Um a so public. I think that has to be acknowledged as when when you talk about it but I also think there isn't really a right answer like I I think both teams have gone to the Super Bowl both teams have lost it um I know the 49ers probably lost the game in more excruciating fashion but I think their overall Super Bowl performance was better than the Rams against the yes. against um the Patriots um and and so like I don't think I mean, we we all love to have these conversations and like create an answer and and stick to it and make it super polarizing. But I don't think there is an answer right now, right? I think it's still too small of a sample size. I think both teams have dealt with their own myriad of factors that are sort of outside the coach's hands. Like, believe me, I think Kyle Shanahan is smart enough to understand that um, he shouldn't have coached Nick Bosa. Uh, and D Ford into injuries and Richard Sherman into injuries. Like, it's, you yeah. know, there's that's, <laughs> I'm obviously like, that's not Shannon's fault, but like, you know, it, it, a lot of this is out of the coach's hands, but because the coach is the face of the franchise, right, and the one who's responsible for everything, um, they're the one who's going to get blamed for everything. And so, you know, I, how much do we blame McVeigh for the team going nine and seven last year, which isn't a terrible year? Um, you know, in in a lot of cases, I would have went to the. I mean, in, in under this format this year with seven playoff teams, they would have made it last year. Um, so yeah, I just don't think there is a right answer. I think it's still too small of a sample size. I don't think head coaches are responsible for absolutely everything, um, that happens with their team. I do think they need to be accountable for everything that happens for their team, but that's different than being responsible. Um, so what if they're
2: both awesome coaches?
1: Yeah, they're both really good coaches. I think if either of them ever got fired anytime soon, they would have a job within the week. Oh
2: my god! Oh my god! I there are. I don't want to. I don't want to go through it now because it's not that important. But I would set the over under at like six and a half teams who would fire their coach to hire either McVay or Shanahan.
1: Yeah, like I think a case can be made that. If you were doing a coaching draft, they're both going top five or six. Yes. No matter what.
2: I think that's probably right.
1: Um, and it probably comes down to preference. I don't think there's a real concrete answer. I think if I were to judge Kyle Shanahan, um, I would do it by Jimmy Garoppolo's record as a starter for the 49ers. Yes. And that is 20 and seven in the regular season, and then obviously two and one in the postseason. Um, 20 and seven is pretty good. And, you know, obviously that's probably going to level off because now you're getting sort of the classic NFL um, parity thing because there's so much fluctuation in the league every year because of injuries and all the o- other external factors. Um, but, you know, I think uh, I think they're both really good coaches and I don't know that we necessarily need to define who's better and who isn't.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. I think it's a very measured did it- take.
1: It is a funny conversation, as you bring up that it changes purely based on the team success every year.
2: It's gonna change. It's dude. It's gonna change on on Sunday.
1: Yeah, absolutely. If the, if it's the gonna four, change
2: if, on the, if the 49ers win. Let us say they they put it together and they win thirty one to twenty. It's gonna be wow. Shanahan, yep, schooled McVeigh. You know, it's yeah. just it's a weird. It, I don't know. We we sometimes go into these long kind of digressions about the state of discourse. And that was just one to me that really jumped out today. Um, When, when people who called the station seven months ago, what month is it? October. People who called the station six or eight months ago. (laughs) Wait, hang on. I got this. (laughs) People who called the station in January. (laughs) Uh, what we're saying, Shanahan. Those same people are calling. Out, oh, McVeigh. Obviously, it's they're both great. They're both awesome.
1: And yeah, I, think I if, read a um. I, I, I re-
2: if if you swap them, if you just if if you if if in 2017 the 49ers hired Sean McVeigh and the and the Rams hired hired Kyle Shanahan, and I I I don't think there's a lot of things different.
1: No. There's a reasonable chance. I mean, I have no idea, but it was it's like a butterfly effect conversation. But like, right, there's a reasonable right, right. chance both of them like are still good enough to take their teams to the Super Bowl. Yeah, right.
2: Yeah, I think I think that I think that's probably right.
1: This whole conversation, I tonight I, I read this and I think uh, Marcus Thompson published it before um, before Game Six of the NBA Finals, basically talking about uh, Marcus Thompson, the the great writer at the Athletic MT2. and columnist. Um, he wrote about the discourse surrounding LeBron James, and if you haven't read it, I highly suggest you do because it's just—it's about the conversation we talk about players, and for whatever reason, us as humans, um, try like, cape for one side of any argument, and then become very passionate about it, even though we should probably just stop arguing about it and just watch whatever's happening. That's sort of what like the Shanahan mcvays uh, the the whole yeah. thing. That's like that's what it's like to me. Um, but yeah, I, we don't, we don't need to argue about who's better, who would you rather have, um, for every sports topic. I know it's popular on, on television shows and things like that, but we can just like enjoy everybody and just acknowledge that like people are good at their jobs without need, needing to rank them. I think
2: it's really cool watching good athletes and coaches be good at their jobs. Yeah.
1: It's going to be a fun That's game.
2: You got a prediction for me.
1: A prediction, man. Um, so I'm going to pick the Rams. I am too. And I think I'm going to pick the Rams by like seven or eight points. But I, I do think like, I mean, this is just based on everything we know about the teams, right? Like the Rams are playing well. Um, they're playing really well on both sides of the ball right now. They have Aaron Donald, who might be the worst player for the 49ers to play. It out of anybody in the league right now because of the state yeah. of the offensive line and how he's really good on the inside, but he can also stress the tackles on the outside. And I think Brandon Staley, the Rams new defensive coordinator is doing a really good job. And they have a lot of linebackers who have a lot of sacks, which indicates they, to me, they're probably yeah. good at blitzing.
2: There's no Van Ginkle on their roster though.
1: They do not have a Van Ginkle. That's true. Um, Jalen Ramsey's playing a lot in the slot and if I were the Rams I would have Jalen Ramsey shadow George Kittle and if he's able to to at least limit Kittle to a modest day in the passing game I think that's going to be really tough on the 49ers Um, but if they can run right at Ramsey and Kittle just blocks him um, 20 yards down the field like he probably could then I think that's that's a 49ers advantage for sure Um, but I just think given the way both teams are going they're clearly in in trending in opposite directions based on what we've seen in recent weeks, but I wouldn't be shocked if the 49ers came out and played like a team that the public had buried over the last couple weeks and they play with some pride and actually do play a good game yeah. Um, and look a little bit closer to the team that we saw last year, particularly if they can run the ball. If they can do that, then it might end up being closer, but I think – the Rams are just more complete. They're obviously healthier, and they're going in a better way right now while the 49ers are still sort of trying to find their footing, um, given all their issues with the offensive line and given all the um, the fact that they're just getting their, their core guys on offense to play together now.
2: Yeah, What's I think, your prediction? I, 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 I think the Rams win, but I think we come away from it going like at the top of the pod we said if the Niners fall to two and four it's gonna be really hard to get back but I think they play well enough that our Tuesday pod is like okay well they lost but they looked really good and if this play goes differently they wind up winning so now you feel a little more optimistic with them going to New England and going to Seattle and yeah, uh, facing Green Bay on a short week, and then and then going to New Orleans, like you feel a little bit better about those games. But I do think, I do think they lose. And my, uh, in a in a in like a one a one score game, maybe the Rams get a late like field goal or something to stretch it to nine or ten. But my big prediction is that at some point, a popular thing to say on the internet is going to be. Kyle Shanahan slash Sean McVay is in his bag tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I predict that there's going to be some weird, like Debo Samuel, uh, jet sweep reverse to Brandon. Iuk with, and then there's going to be the Twitter, uh, video guy who's going to oh, watch Kyle use check. This is brilliant by Shanahan because he starts to block this way, but then goes back the other way. Um, yeah, that's my. It, it, I think we're going to see some stuff like that, and I think we're going to see uh, the Niners kind of dig into dig into their playbook a little bit deeper than maybe would
1: we we'd normally see in a Week Six game. Can I? Um. 31, 20, How many? Did
2: I say like nine or ten. Uh, thirty-one twenty-six. F- thirty-one twenty-six. Okay. Kind of a weird number,
1: but. That's what I'm going with.
2: You going mentioned
1: down. tweeting about Kyle Shanahan being in his bag. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see the Kyle Usechek option pitch.
2: Ooh, okay.
1: I like that. I think that I think we're at the point of desperation where there's going to be um, there's going to be some trickeration, and it might look a little bit like that Saints game last year because desperate times call for desperate measures. And uh, and you got you're going to have to make some plays. You're going to have to manufacture some plays with scheme this week in a way that uh, in a way that you're going to need it. I mean, you're going to need to score against the Rams. I think
2: give me um, give me Debo Samuel lined up.
1: I think it's going to be the Mostert.
2: Give me Debo Samuel lined up in the backfield with a Brandon. Ayuk motion. Followed by chaos.
1: Didn't. Samuel have a rushing touchdown from the backfield against the Rams last year? I don't think so. I think he did. He might have. I think it was uh, the game that Garoppolo had the, the two third and sixteens. I could be wrong, but there was a game and I believe had, it was a night game last year that Debo Samuel had a rushing touchdown from the backfield.
2: He had the one against the Panthers, which I think might be like one of my favorite Shanahan play calls of all time
1: yeah that was like out of the slot
2: yes that one was awesome yeah go look up Debo Samuel's rushing touchdown against the Panthers it's like one of my favorite Kyle Shanahan plays ever
1: Debo Samuel 19 yard rush second quarter
2: oh well they couldn't have been on a
1: sweep or anything so (laughs) no I I, (laughs) I remember the game I think he lined up in the backfield and it was a run to the left. They had a uh, they had
2: they had one 20. last year where I think it was against the Seahawks where Debo lined up in the backfield and Raheem Mostert was split out in the slot and then went in motion across the formation and they did a handoff to Debo. I remember that. Anyways, the moral of this story while Chris does that is I think we're gonna see language earmuffs if you have children near you turn it down and skip ahead. Thirty seconds. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of weird shit. Like they, they, they're going to have to start manufacturing some plays somehow. If their offensive line isn't going to be great, and I, I found think the they, play, I think they're going to do that. Were you correct?
1: Um, hold on. It was right after a Kyle Usechek screen that was successful. <sighs> He's in shotgun boy if you were yeah Debo over. Samuel gets a sweep he lines up in the backfield and then takes this takes a sweep over left end okay. and beats Taylor Rapp and then is tackled by Jalen Ramsey as he as he leans over and now he's doing a handshake with Emmanuel Sanders. they're doing the little rowboat thing uh, I don't yeah, know what yeah. it's called cooler people than me would know the name of that I dance knew movie.
2: I knew I knew that but the yeah. rowboat thing was yeah he there.
1: was in the backfield cool yeah that
2: <laughs> I can't think of a better yep. way to cap the pod Chris Chris was right everybody Chris is right. Congratulations, Chris Biederman. Uh, We're going to end the podcast now so you can go. (laughs) We have 15 more things to talk about, but Chris wants to end the pod so he can go bask in his rightness. So, (laughs) it's not true. Basking in rightness is my new band name. Um, It's, you know, no, never mind, never mind. Uh, Football podcast. Uh, Subscribe, rate, review, Candlestick Chronicles. Uh, We will see you guys next week after the 49ers-Rains game. See ya.
1: That's what you call ending with a bang.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.